I'm Carrington Vanston. I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. It's not just a normal arcade podcast, Mike. It's a classic. Well, people wouldn't tune in if it wasn't a classic. We're, we're like the new Coke version of arcade podcasts. Oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> we're, we're classic instead? Okay. There was okay. nothing good about new Coke. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. So how you doing? Uh, it's been a busy week, but... Uh, is that no, going to be your excuse? Is that a oh, score excuse I hear already? Yeah. No, it's it's definitely my excuse, yes. <laughs> Too bad, sucker. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was doing well, and I taunted you with my score, and you came back with the one that was much lower, and that, that quickly went away. But then, nicely, I should let our audience know, we had to delay uh, recording by one day, and every time we do that, I end up getting an awesome score. <laughs> Delays are the best ever. I think there's a lesson to be learned here for me, and that's that we need to record earlier and not allow <laughs> so you to have extra time to play these so games. So I get no chance, no time to play at all. Well, because that's when I get my butt kicked. <laughs> Once we score zero. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So before we get to our scores, and by scores, I mean mine that's higher than yours, uh, uh, yes. I think we got feedback. What did, uh, what did we get, Mike? What did we get? We did get feedback, and my phone, of course, is not ready. Well, then I will read some feedback. Please do. We got, uh, let me see, um, Olivier Guinard, I believe that's how it'd be pronounced, sounds French, wrote us a couple of really nice letters talking about, I won't read the whole thing because they're quite long, but it's awesome, and he heard about us through the Open Apple podcast. Mike, have you heard of that one? Um, I, I'm familiar with it, but I prefer the, the RCR to, to the, whatever that one is that you <laughs> just mentioned. Me too. <laughs> Open Apple's a hack. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about over there. No chance. So anyway, uh, he wrote some really nice things. Then he asked us a couple of questions and I saw that you responded, which is awesome because I'm terrible for never responding to anybody, but I can't remember your responses. And I think a couple of his questions are worth bringing up because I think we should share them with the, with our listeners. The first is, do we take requests? And then he listed a couple of games that he'd be quite interested in. Mike, tell me, do we take requests? Well, we sort of do. I mean, we do have a, and we never promote this, but we do have a Facebook page. It's a facebook.com slash no quarter uh, podcast. And if you mention it there, I'll take a note of it. And if we get a bunch of mentions, we might play a game sooner rather than later. I've been seeing a lot of, uh, request for Amadar, so I, I would look for that one coming up sometime soon. Uh, but yeah, we we do pay attention, and and you know if I can twist Carrington's arm to to play a game, then then we might. Get I'm to that, easily yeah. twistable, <laughs> except Amadar. I'm drawing a total blank on that. Is that an actual game? Are you making that up? Is that a real thing? Well, of course I'm making it up because then I can easily beat you, and there's no way you'll ever be I able think to. You will. I'm completely drawing a blank. I have no idea what that game is. <laughs> it, I think it's another line drawing game where you block off sections. Okay. Um, I think I could be wrong on that. I'll, Crazily, I'll I honestly I have no idea what that game is. I, I mean, <laughs> probably when we play it, I'll know what it is, and I'll go, "Oh, yeah. this game." But right now. No idea. So sure. that that will be a fun one when we get to it. Yeah. He also um, asked a couple of other questions, and one of them was, and I have a, a, a good answer to this one. Well, anyway, first he was saying how he liked to, to see Xevious on the list, and we did get a number of people who had written in saying they were happy to see us talk about that because um, that seems to be a very popular game with people. Mm-hmm. And he was saying how on the Pac-Man episode, though, he was surprised that we didn't talk more about the Apple II version, given our common background. As a lot of people will know, you and I, Mike, are real fans of the Apple Apple II, and one of us is a fan of the Apple III. Indeed. Not me, <laughs> but one of us. One of us, yes. So why didn't we talk about the Apple II version, Mike? Explain well, us. I, I, 
I like to stick with with this podcast. I like to stick to the uh, to the arcade cabinet versions of these games. You know, we might well certainly mention when games appear on other platforms, uh, home computers, and things like that. But unless it really stands out be, as being a stellar uh, version of the game or just an absolute crap version of the game, we probably won't talk too much about about the home console stuff. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I remember playing Pac-Man, the uh, the official Atari one on the Apple II. I also, I think I played more of some of the ports back when it was the mm-hmm. Apple II, like Munchman and that kind of stuff. So sure. they were floating around the uh, the wear scene. So I kind of am more familiar with the non-Pac-Man Pac-Man games. Right, but unless it's a, a really crappy example like well like pac-man for the atari 2600 which which <laughs> let's we just, talk about that one again <laughs> we, we just kicked that around for a while uh, yeah we probably won't talk too much about that stuff so we had one last question we had a bunch of other questions but i thought this one one more is worth bringing up um because i wasn't sure as well I, I we've never really talked about this but i know what i do and i'm interested to hear what you do he asked when we compete and oh yes mike we compete <laughs> we do compete do we give ourselves a couple of games to warm up like to sort of get our best score or is it the score from your very first attempt so so how do you do it mike well if my very first game is the highest score that i get then that's the score that i go with I'm sort of the same way. I play the heck out of it, and I only use the highest score. That's right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, well, you know, I scored much higher that first game, but that was a warm-up, so I can't count it. No, no way, no, man. No, no, no. <laughs> We're not doing that. I, I need I need the best scores possible to, to, to beat Carrington, and, and lately I've not been doing very well at that. So. Yeah, so basically uh, Mike and I give ourselves the full week between recording, and we can play as much as we want, and it's the one best game we do counts as our game. And if I have a particularly good game, and I'm proud of my score, I'll normally post a screenshot on Twitter, like I did this week. If I don't post a screen, screenshot on Twitter, you can imagine it's not going to be a very good score. <laughs> I have a tell. <laughs> Yeah, at first I was worried that that uh, if you that if I didn't hear from you, it was a ruse, you know, that you were just waiting to spring it on me when <laughs> no. we were recording. Oh no, I did much better than you, but no, no, no I, I am not subtle that way at all. I brag. <laughs> yes. So, Mike, what else did we get feedback wise? Um, again, I'm waiting for my phone. Then I will continue. <laughs> Please do. Uh, let's see. Um, Daniel McLaughlin, he, uh, on Twitter, speaking of us competing, he had said he had just played Centipede. Uh, and as he says, my meager attempts to put Carrington's high score into perspective. And then, but then he writes, I yield to your superior trackball spin, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remain the champion of Centipede, which is funny too, because I kind of suck at that game. <laughs> So that was kind of funny. We get lots of uh, feedback like that. And I like that kind of stuff when people will post their own scores to us after we talk about ours or, or talk about their experiences playing the game and that kind of stuff. It's my favorite kind of feedback. And uh, let's see what else came in on Twitter. Oh, Greg Waugh over from the uh, Smart Enough to Know Better podcast. And hi, guys. They were nice enough to interview me for their latest show that's on right now. because Apparently I, I they weren't smart enough to know better <laughs> than no, to interview you. They were foolish enough to interview a Canadian. <laughs> so I like the, I like their podcast very much they, uh, as they put it podcast of comedy science and ignorance cool. and um they interviewed me about uh, filmmaking technology because i've been making films for a number of years but he sure. wrote um i listened to the latest no quarter and though i think this is one episode back and it says i was very confused until i realized i was thinking of time pilot and not the game 1942 now the reason i bring that up is it's interesting that he would confuse those two even for a bit because the same designer did both time pilot and 1942 and gyrus and uh 
Sidearms and Gunsmoke and Street Fighter 2 and a whole bunch of games. And I think he was even one of the main producers behind Resident Evil. So real pedigree there. But his early games, of course, included both Time Pilot and 1942 with very similar sorts of uh, controls to them and things. So it's not at all surprising somebody would confuse the two. Sure. And then the last thing I think we should point out that came in on... Twitter is Rob O'Hara and <laughs> Jack Flack completely mocking us because this week we posted our scores for this week's game on bragging, as it were, on Twitter. And he posted a screenshot of his playing the game and called our scores cute. <laughs> yeah, you know it's not good when, when they call it cute. <laughs> That's just, yeah. And the thing is, I couldn't actually see his score because the screen was so bright, but I could tell it had more digits than my score. <laughs> so whatever it was, it was a minimum of 10 times higher than my score. Yeah. But and, that did motivate uh, me. At that point, I had, hadn't had done that great, but it did motivate me to really buckle down and play the game a bunch more. And so I did get a far better score, um, beca- partly because of our delay and partly because of Rob spurring me on. So I wasn't able to equal the the... Uh, I think even the number of digits in his fuzzy score, but I did far better than I had done originally. Well, it, it motivated me to want to play it. Unfortunately, I didn't really have much time this week. So, Sucka. and that's that's going to be the excuse that I use when we talk about scores in this week's game, which is Rampart by Atari. Ah, Rampart, good game, I say. Yeah, we jump forward a little bit because this game I think was released in 1990, several years later than pretty much all the games I think we played so far. It's like looking into the future. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but the future. Rampart is I Okay, my story for this game is that I first encountered this I first encountered the the Rampart cabinet uh at Disneyland at the Starcade back in the early 90s, so 92, 93. I used to date a girl that worked at the Disneyland hotel, uh which meant that she got free passes to the park so I could get in anytime I wanted and just hang out there. That is um, awesome. It was fun. It was a lot of fun because like, I would go pick her up for work from work when she was done and she would finish at two or three in the morning, well after the park had closed. But I would show up at five or six in the, in the evening and just hang out at the park and then go to the hotel and pick her up. Um, but Starcade is, uh, is an arcade. Uh, in Tomorrowland, in Disneyland, it's right next to, uh, if you're familiar with the park, right next to Space Mountain and where Captain EO used to be. And I would just go in there and hang out and play games all the time. And this was one of my favorites, that I and I played quite a bit. Um, but I never really took note of the name of the game. So years later, as I was searching for the main room, I couldn't remember what this game was called. Um, and then one day I stumbled upon it and went, ah, it's Rampart. I read a number of things online with people with uh, similar experiences where they would sort of encounter this game and wonder, well, what the heck is this? And then it would just grip them and their friends, especially people who played a multiplayer. And then later they'd be like, what was the, you know, the the castle game? With the, and, and for some reason, the name just doesn't stick with people. I, in fact, last week when you suggested we play this game for a second, I also drew a blank on it thinking Rampart. So it's a castle thing. Is it like a jumping game? And it took me a second to remember what the heck this game was. But it is delightful. I love this game. And I have also I also read a bunch online, and, and I'll go ahead and steal this metaphor that I saw a couple of times because that's the kind of guy that I am. <laughs> um, they they described it uh, as missile command meets Tetris. Oh. 
Perfect. That's Would you say a, that's accurate? Yes, that is absolutely accurate. Yeah, very good, because it's got the whole missile command thing, because trackball control, although the two-player version of the arcade, I think, was joystick, but the three, the big three-player was trackball. So you got your trackball control, uh, the, the the button to fire off your uh, your your cannons, can, shoot the cannonballs at, at both grunts and and ships. and But, of course, there's that whole very important and very time-limited rush time where you get you know, sort of uh, Tetris pieces to rebuild your castle. And if you are unsuccessful in getting at least one castle enclosed, then game over, baby. So I think that's a great metaphor. That's 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 a perfect way to describe the game. Well, that's what killed me every single time. Uh, I could kill the ships and the grunts, no problem, wipe the screen clean of them almost every time. But I had a terrible time because you, you don't just have all day to rebuild your castle with these little Tetris pieces that you rotate and put down. It uh, You're limited to like 12 or 15 seconds or something. And, yep. and like you said, and if, if you don't enclose that castle, you're done. Um, from what I've been reading as well, the multiplayer game apparently was uh, quite a bit different and seemed to be a lot more popular, popular than solo play. Um, and, and unfortunately, I didn't have anyone here to play with uh, play with, along with me, so I, I can't really talk about that. But I guess it's a different a, a different experience. Absolutely, and this time um, I too was just playing it solo, so my score is, is a, a solo one and a really fun game. But back in the arcade, it was me and my friend Mark would play this one quite a bit. And my primary memories of this game are playing it multiplayer, and it's an incredibly fun multiplayer game. I bet that's how you got your high score. I just figured that out. You just set it in two player and then went to to set it set into destroying the other guy. <laughs> I wish I had thought of that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, I wasn't sneaky enough. That would have been great. Uh, so what Rommel was your Carrington. high score? Let's, let, oh. let's, let's get this over with, Carrington. What, what was your what was your high score? <laughs> well, Mr. McGinnis, <laughs> it was thirty eight thousand one hundred and twenty nine. Carrington. Yes, Mike. Yeah, we kind of dropped out there. Um, oh, well, shall I say my score again? Please don't. <laughs> what, what was your score, Mike? Uh, my score was 4,099, And it came with a big fat asterisk. Uh, what, why did you have an asterisk on yours? So the asterisk is because that's the score that I obtained when I did the insert coins to continue with more firepower. That's cheating! Well, it sort of is. I I was sort of curious to see what would happen when I did that because I wanted to know what more firepower meant. Well, basically, all it means is you get more cannons as you continue, but it's not an indefinite continue and play forever sort of scenario. You only get to do that three times, and then the game ends whether or not you insert more coins. There's no asterisk on my score, Mike. <sighs> Michael, Michael, cheaty cycle. <laughs> I will have that tattooed on my forehead immediately. I will do it. Um, I enjoyed this game very much, and I, it is as fun as I remember it and as frustrating as I sometimes remember it being. Um, and this is, for me, a game that I will – it's been moved into the favorites folder in my in my MAME setup, and I will continue to play this as we go forward. It is a fantastic game. I, I, I kind of wish – I had had a couple people who could come over and play the mm, multiplayer because absolutely. it is so much fun that instead of being 
you and your castle or castles against oncoming ships. And we should talk a little bit about how the game plays. But when you play multiplayer, it's you and your castle area against other people and their castle areas. And so it's much more interactive and swearing. And be, the the nice thing about the cabinet in the original arcade, there was the, the two-player version, which I think was a conversion of something else. Yeah. But then there was the three-player version that had three trackballs and three people could play at once. And that is the ultimate version of Rampart. Yes, and so I, I think maybe in when we uh, when we meet up at Kansas Fest and we we kick each other well uh, when I kick your butt at Galaga <laughs> after we're done with oh, that we will. should we should try to figure out how to play the multiplayer game. Uh, well, that version shouldn't of this. be a problem because my uh, at Kansas Fest everybody does uh, or not everybody but you're welcome to do sessions. People at, attending Kansas Fest will get up and and present things mm-hmm. and the. What I've been trying to do the few times I've gone is present sessions completely rapid fire and sessions that are designed for almost certain failure. And what I've decided to do for this year's Kansas Fest, and I've already submitted it, is I am going to build from pretty much scratch a full working MAME arcade cabinet in 30 minutes. So wow. <laughs> I'm going to show everybody how to build a MAME cabinet. I'm going to do it live in front of everyone, maybe with some help from the audience. And we're going to try to do the whole thing, 30 minutes from parts to first game. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> it's going to be I'm utter so failure. excited. I, I'm really excited. <laughs> well, the good idea of the, the, the thinking behind it is I want to show both MAME and MESS and so how it... it MAME can be used or MESS can be used to emulate other things and, and older computer systems and consoles. So that's sort of appropriate for, for Kansas Fest. But I was thinking if I do this session on the first day, then we've got a full multiplayer MAME machine for everyone to play with for the whole rest of Kansas Fest. Oh, nice. I thought that would be really fun. Yeah. So even so- if I can't finish it in the session, I'll just finish it sometime during the day. Great. Yeah. So that's the plan. Anyway, Rampart. So... Yeah, um, can't wait to play the multiplayer. Uh, the single-player game consisted of six levels. Uh, the ultimate aim was to destroy a fleet of attacking ships and their grunts uh, while uh, repairing any damage that the fort sustained. The first phase was to prepare for battle. Now, as a quick aside, was it was it just me or did the did the synthesized voice that would that would say things like prepare for battle and that sort of thing? Uh, did that sound like Peter Weller, aka RoboCop, to oh, you? Because no, it sure did all. to me. But I couldn't oh, really? find I couldn't find any reference to it online as as being him. So I don't. Maybe it was just me imagining it. But uh, at any rate, so so phase one, you build uh, you. You choose which forts you're going to defend. Um, and which you choose is itself a bit of a strategy. Do you pick a fort that's near the ocean so you can get off shots quicker and destroy ships faster, but then you're more at risk when the grunts land and also the ships can hit you faster? Or do you do one that's farther in the back so you're sort of playing more defensively and, and less shots can hit you at once, but you also take longer to shoot things because each cannon can only have one cannonball in the air at a time. Right. Yeah, so at first when you only have when you start out with two or three cannons, you're not going to be getting off a lot of cannonballs. Uh, your your your, sally, your your volleys aren't going to have a lot of uh, force behind them. Neither will my sallies. <laughs> your sallies will not either. Um, <laughs> the ships came in three types. There was a single sailed ship which shot at, shot at your which shoots at your walls and moves around. Doesn't really do anything else. A double sailed ship required three hits to sink. Uh, and if they made it to shore, they would deposit grunts, uh, which would multiply and move around during the repair phase. Those could also be shot by cannons and destroyed, but it tended to distract you from shooting the ships. Um, 
And the red ship required five shots to, oh, to sink. Red ships suck. Yes, and their shots left fiery craters wherever they strike a wall. And the craters stay on fire, and so there's like two or three rounds or something where you can't rebuild that section. <laughs> you have to build around it. Yeah, the red ships are... I just immediately go for red ships. They do so much damage, and it just lingers. Such a pain. It took me a while when I first started playing, because it's been years since I played this game, and I forgot that ships took multiple cannonballs to sink. So I'd lob a cannonball on a ship and I'd go focus on another ship and I'd look back and went, dude, I thought I hit you. So we tried to, <laughs> it took a while to realize, okay, takes two for the ones with the white sail, with a single sail, and takes three for the ones with multiple sails. And yeah, it took me a while to figure that out. Yep. And like everything else in this game, uh, this the, all the phases are time limited. So you have a certain amount of time where, where you shoot the ships and try to sink as many as you can and then you move on to the next phase build and repair and this That's is also the phase that kills you this is the one that got oh. me every time this is the you you have a very limited time and and to place these tetra shapes and rotate them you have to completely enclose a castle now it doesn't have to be the castle that you started out with but at least one castle has to be completely surrounded or your game is over yeah a couple times i would just my existing cannon would be in such or existing castle would be in such tatters and just individual blocks i would just give up and quickly go try to enclose another castle and leave at least room to put a cannon in there so I could get like one more round. Yep. And then the final phase was to place your cannons and, and you had a certain number, you would have a certain number of cannons to place within the castle walls and the further you get, the more cannons you get. But you can't move them. So sometimes you've got all these cannons. You're like, it's a pain because I have to now rebuild around these stupid things and I can't get rid of them. And, yeah. Right. And that's why sometimes it's better just to, to start with a new castle. Yes. So as 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 frantic and and exciting as the game is, it, it also requires quite a bit of strategy to make it into the later levels, or so I'm told, since I was not able to. <laughs> but do that's this. an interesting combination. So you have frantic gameplay, short time limits, and you need to have strategy. <laughs> so right. This is not a game that coddles you. Yes. Uh, this is a very deep game. I had a great time with it. Um, it did end up being ported to the Super Nintendo, the Sega Master System, the Mega Drive Genesis, the Atari Lynx, the the PC, the Macintosh, Commodore 64, Amiga, and Atari ST. There were versions for the Game Boy, the Game Boy Color, the Nintendo, the Famicom, uh, but not my favorite platform, the Apple II. Nope. Yeah, and I don't think I played any of the ports you just listed. I I wasn't even aware that it had been ported. Right. Um, but this yeah. was, like I said, this was a game that showed up later much much later on than a lot of these that we've played so far um and i was less but by that point in my personal history i, I wasn't really as into the keeping trap keeping track of the home computers and and uh consoles so it doesn't yeah, surprise absolutely. me that i wouldn't know about this plus for me well the well the standard two-player uh a cabinet version of this game was a conversion so it had two joysticks you know that you would use each player would use a joystick to move with the buttons for me this is absolutely a trackball game so i think oh, i wouldn't yeah. even have sought it out on a home version or, or a console version because i wouldn't have had the trackball and i can't imagine doing any good at this game at all without the trackball oh sure well and before we get a, a little bit more into the different cabinet versions uh there was a, a, a playstation 3 port that was was released on the playstation network in 2007 although it's no longer available it says uh, and there are a couple of iOS versions. Mm -hmm. One really good one. Zen Wars and Hostile Tides. I've not played either of those. It sounds like you have. Yeah, I played Zen Wars. I haven't heard of Hostile Tides, but I played Zen Wars, and it's really good. Okay. It's not really the exact same thing. It's more like sort of castle versus grunts. So it's sort of taking Rampart and 
um, typical tower defense kind of stuff, but still having the rebuild your castles part. And it's really, really fun. The controls are a little limited, not because of the the use of touch control, but more that you've got like a, a small screen sort of, and I kept wishing I had more area to build out in and that kind of stuff. But sure. really, really fun. I highly recommend Zen Wars if you want a Rampart type experience on a, on a portable device. Cool. I'll check that yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, so you had mentioned the trackball versus the joystick version. Now, what I had read online was that the uh, arcade owners were wanting a smaller version of this game because the the, the three trackball cabinet is large. It's very right. large. It, it comes with a 25-inch monitor instead of the standard 19-inch, and it has sort of the the similar to the, the way the gauntlet um, control panel is laid out where it, it sort of spreads itself out. And oh, I yeah, imagine, so it sticks out to the sides so right. it makes your cabinet yes. wider than a standard one. Yeah. So Atari later, <clears throat> excuse me, in 1991, Atari released a conversion kit for... Uh, the JAMA setup uh, came with a 19-inch monitor and the two joysticks instead of the three okay. trackballs. Right. So just a typical JAMA cab. Nice. Right. So this will also be, not only is it the latest game we've talked about, it's also the first JAMA game. It is. Yeah. Is it? Yes. This would be the first JAMA game. I guess also because it came later, so that's why it is a JAMA game. Hmm. But yeah, as far as I know, none of the games we've talked about so far came in JAMA versions. Okay. Uh, other than that, the uh, the games are identical. The, the, the gameplay is the same and... and um there were there were no the the changes to the ROM the, to the PCBs were to accommodate the joystick setup instead of the the trackball. There was there was no change to the gameplay. If I if I recall, games that are JAMA and wired for trackball wire them up weird because there's not like an official trackball JAMA wiring. You use like a direction part for one of the anyway, the way it adds in extra directions is kind of weird and wiring, but I've never wired up a JAMA thing myself. Hmm. So I can't re- recall it, the exact things. One thing I noticed from reading the instruction booklet, and you know, I'm struggling with a game when I go and grab the original <laughs> arcade instructions. Yeah. I always figured maybe there's a tip in there. <laughs> so sure. I read through that. There were no tips. <laughs> it was just how to assemble it, what Aww. the parts list were. But in the parts list, I found something a little, a little strange. I've always thought of, uh, trackballs as being a distinctly Atari sort of, thing um and the old original trackball games atari always spelled trackball as a single word with no k so they spelled the track t-r-a-c but by this time in the official atari manual they're calling the trackball a midi trackball trackball being two words and track spelled just the normal t-r-a-c-k i mean not not a particularly exciting bit of trivia but i did notice it i was like oh i wonder what so at some point between you know 1978 and 1990 atari changed what they call trackballs well i wonder if they had thought that they were going to trademark trackball with a c and keep other people from keep other manufacturers from making trackball games or something by doing that oh maybe and then gave up on it later on yeah so just Uh, interesting that it changed because you think even if they weren't trademarking it they'd still call it the same thing or maybe it was because it's a midi trackball maybe it is a a totally different way it connected and so therefore they had a different name for it or something it just it sort of just jumped out because i I was first time i've seen atari call a trackball something with a k in it Mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, the game was designed by John Sawitz. It's not a name that's familiar with me. Came with a as as a as I said, it came with a the original game came with a twenty five inch uh, CRT uh, raster CRT uh, using three thirty six by two forty resolution, and then the later nineteen ninety one two joystick version came with a nineteen inch monitor. Cool. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Atari was always very good at making its 
it's monitors sort of as as big as will fit. I, I always like the Atari cabarets, the small ones, because they mm. would still give you the full size monitor instead of a, a little tiny monitor like you'd find in other brands' cabarets. So Atari never really skimped on their, their monitor sizes. So well done, you, Atari. <laughs> so uh, I think that pretty much wraps up uh, what I have to say about the game. Obviously, I didn't get too far into it. Darn you, Carrington. <laughs> I just really like it, though. It's, it's Oh, me too. It's a... Uh, it's a frantic game, but at the same time, it's not frantic in the way like a Williams game is. It's not Defender frantic. You know, that crazy button mashing, everything going all over the place. It's sort of frantic in waves. So you've got the, okay, it's cannonball time, but but you're you're braced for it. It's it's not like it just instantly starts. You even have the voice going, three, two, one, yes. fire! <laughs> like, in, like, which, and then cease fire. And I always want to say, why would I cease fire? Screw them. <laughs> no, uh, I want to keep they firing. Stop, doesn't mean I should stop. <laughs> right. Whatever. But... So you're and, and and the frantic parts last for only a short period, so you can catch your breath. So it's not like so many games that have a frantic element are almost overwhelming. And as soon as you get old enough that Twitch games overwhelm you, you sort of can't play them. I would be like way too old to play them. But <laughs> you can keep up with Rampart in my doddering old age. Like I can <laughs> because it's frantic, but its trackball control is 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 quite good. Um the aim is is nice. The ships aren't are going pretty much in a line so you can sort of plan hey if i throw some cannonballs here it'll hit them they don't really zigzag that much so the game plays fair i find and it's fast moving enough to get your heart raced but not so fast that you just give up instantly because it's ridiculous and just has some humor to it the grunts are annoying (laughs) Um, i like the graphics like there's very little about this game that i don't like this this is an awesome and fun game i just wish we got to play the multiplayer version well this is something i'd like to try in kansas fest because yeah that's I, I really think, fun i think in kansas fest we should give it a shot and if it's if there's enough there maybe we can do a, a special multiplayer version of the rampart podcast yeah yeah because absolutely and it's a game that this is a game that even in solo player i would absolutely recommend people check out you'll know, find it in arcade or download the raw and play it play it home on a main system um, but if you can drag somebody else into the mix and try the two-player version because it is really fun, really exciting. Yep, definitely. This is this is one of my favorites. Yep, yeah, definitely, definitely on on the list of goodens that we have done so far. Love this game. So that brings us to next week's game. Oh, next week's game. That's exciting. There'll be another game. I'm afraid so. Sinistar again. <laughs> Uh, no, not Sinistar. <laughs> well, if it's not Sinistar, what does it sound like? It sounds like this. Alert, alert, invader, sector one, player one, to battle station. That sounds like awesome, though, I don't know, kind of sounds like Sinistar. Well, after a while, pretty much everything sounds like Sinistar. <laughs> it all sounds like Sinistar to me. Sinistar <laughs> elevator action. The That's combo. Right. It's awesome. <laughs> A winning combination. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> well, that I look forward to our our next game, our next challenge, and I will see you on Twitter, Mr. McGinnis. Sounds good to me, <laughs> Mr. Fanston. Okay, see you then. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback to the show can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain.